weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Alexandra. And I'm Jarvis. But Jarvis and I were aspiring writer with one simple problem. We never actually took the time to sit down and write. Exactly. So to solve that issue, we are issuing a challenge. Each week you sit down for 30 minutes and write a complete short story using three or four randomly generated words. Then we come on the podcast, we read a story, we talk about what we learned in reading it, and then we talk about the rest of the story sent in by you wonderful listeners. Mm-hmm. We're simply here to help you do the right thing. A doof, a doof media, media production. production. Happy post-Halloween! It's yeah, post-Halloween. post-Halloween. Um, uh, how was your Halloween, Jarvis? Uh, my Halloween was, was pretty decently. Uh, went to a couple of parties, had a good time. It, Yeah, it was um, same old, same old. Was quite tips, quite drunk, wafting here and there down hollowed hallways. It was a great time. Yeah, it was a uh, good but, time. But uh, how was how was yours? I, I don't know if you like ever told me. Well, I think you told me that you went to a Halloween party. I, t- I showed you the costume, right? Yes, yes. I posted the, it places. Uh, pirate. Yes, I did a pirate costume. I know it was very cool and sexy. And I <laughs> um, I thrifted the whole outfit, which I thought was really cool. Which is um, admirable. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you. I was very proud of it. I got the coat literally a year ago. It was the first, like... Um, first like uh, most i don't know interesting piece of clothing that i got like yeah, when yeah. i started thrifting i went to uh, a goodwill boutique which are great by the way um they do only have women's clothes which i did not know going in um mm. which i was like i felt conspicuous last year now i don't um because i you know i was just like beginning to explore gender stuff Mm-hmm. Um, and I still definitely very much identified as a as a cis guy. Um, and so I was browsing and I saw this coat and I was like, holy shit, this is the, 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 the non-binary energy off of this is too powerful. <laughs> and so it's I dripping. bought it. That's Yeah, that's the reason I bought it. And I was like, is this sort of like appropriating in some way? I felt like yes, but I felt like I could not turn up the opportunity. Uh, I mean, it's just barely. like golden grandma coat it looks like a glorious pirate uh Mm. coat it's fantastic anyway yeah it um to me it uh, looks like something that uh calypso would like maybe put on thank you i think so too um it's the thing it's the sort of thing that you loot off of uh a dead body yes yeah off of yeah off of like a rich person's yacht uh, like like pirate yacht i mean like okay yeah. i meant like a 17th century <laughs> yacht yacht <laughs> that's what i meant um uh but yeah no i had a good time i did go to some uh a party or two as well and that was that was cool i mean it was the first time that i'd gone out like all um femme and stuff and um big fam. no one was weird about it i don't know if i mm-hmm. like passed or whatever which is I, I wasn't really thinking about that um yeah. But, um, I mean, Denton's got tons of cool queer people, so especially the second party I went to was full of uh, hot queer people in really good costumes. It was great. Um, I, I want every party to be like that, always. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, I haven't gone to many, like, normal parties before. I've gone to a couple house shows. That's about yeah. it, really. Okay. Um, so this was one of my first like just just normal normal parties, which was it was cool. Um, definitely, yeah. 
a little awkward at the beginning, but you know, you get a couple of drinks in and then it's okay. Oh yeah, and, and, then, and then you just stop caring about everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll Which just join in the random conversation. That's fine. If you were to move to Austin, mm-hmm. we could go to every single last queer party, especially mm-hmm. on like six. Like rain, rain is a fantastic spot. That that is tempting, Jarvis. I will come and visit, and I will join you for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will also be doing the same thing in New York, so, you know. But what's better, Austin or dirty, dingy, smelly New York? Uh, I'm going to say New York, I think, but it would depend. <laughs> it also would depend on the neighborhood I, I end up in and, like, yeah. how far it would be to get home. That would also be significant mm, factors. Walking distance, yeah. Also, I'm wondering, like, how parties go when people all have tiny-ass apartments. Uh, see, that's that's the thing. I couldn't even imagine, like, walking into a party that's in the one-bedroom <laughs> Fucking studio. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's people go to bars a lot more um, mm-hmm. and clubs and stuff, so I don't know. I, like it's probably like house shows probably don't happen as much as in Denton where everyone like half of everyone like lives in a rundown house with a good like living room hundred feet between you and the next house so you actually yeah. can blast and it's fine um anyway okay all right that's enough we, we can get into yeah. the proper show now sorry we, about that y'all we we have a podcast here yeah it, um, we also we read stories y'all didn't hear it but we did go off on a 30 minute tangent about um uh, about the ethics of scamming so if you want to hear that that will be released as a doof after dark um so if you go on the, the patreon that is something i think at the ten dollar level i think it might be a different level um mm-hmm. You should you should go look at it. It's it's a good time, and there's a bunch of other uh, Doof After Darks. Um, so yeah, it's a fun little discussion. But okay, let's let's do the, the let's do the podcast thing. Exactly. We will be reading a uh, great piece by Matt Set Words. It's uh, in the same um, storyline of this Travis guy who has uh, hearing issues, and this one is part six, named the Passenger. The man and the girl in the salmon sundress. Yeah, so um, we did read the first one in the series, and that was a short time ago. But we felt yes. that this, as this is the culmination, um, that it's a it would be a good one to read on the podcast. So, yes. and it, it's clear that Message Words put a lot of effort into this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, can't can't wait to hear this culmination. Um, just to refresh, uh, this is a series with the. Hard of hearing man that um, is in a snowed out um, hotel. Um, he can't get to his wife who just had a miscarriage and he uh, went into a rage uh, because of his Tinkerbell syndrome where he kind of can't control how angry he gets. Um, and he was also told how there is a room in the hotel that is haunted um, and that people uh wake up the night after with bleeding ears dead uh, but he might be fine because he's hard of hearing he's also met a ghost hunter who wants to uh write a ghost hunting book uh, named scott um and i think that's all the background we need they have just gone to bed um so uh disclaimer before i read this um for some pretty graphic violence um and uh a suicide among other things so 
if that kind of content would make you feel very uncomfortable. Um, also some violence with uh, children involved. I'm kind of spoiling a little bit, but um, yeah. Travis is seated before a hospital bed. His wife holds her cell phone to her ear, her head hanging and almost resting on her deflated chest. Hey, Liz says. Hey, honey, is everything okay? I... I had a miscarriage again. Travis stands from his chair and walks to her bedside. He reaches forward to grasp her hand. When he touches it, however, he feels nothing. Instead, his fingers pass through her palm and cheats, like his hands were so much smoke and air. Are you on your way to the hospital? No, Travis hears himself say, like he was observing their interaction rather than participating. My flight was cancelled. You mean you're still in Vermont? Yes, Liz, I'm in fucking Vermont! Travis shouts, voice harsh and penetrating. Shut up, you idiot, Travis thinks. I'm still in fucking Vermont, he repeats. But this time, he is standing over Liz, hands around her throat. This time he feels their soft purchase in her smooth skin. He feels the muscles running along her neck and the fragile ridges of her trachea pressing into his palm. His hands constrict, cutting off her airways. She doesn't seem to notice, however, and tears leak from her eyes. Travis hears a ringing in his mind and redoubles his grip. He shouts something at her, then, but all he hears is a high, screaming, Travis awoke from his dream in room 313 to a rending, all-consuming pain in his head. His hearing aid pierced through his thoughts like a lightning bolt, endlessly cracking the sky. He writhed and felt that he was screaming but could hear nothing besides the pain. Oh god, please don't let me die like this, Travis thought. It's too much, it's too much, it's... Mind your mind, Travis heard from somewhere and remembered. He blindly fumbled for his hearing aid and removed it from the post in his head with a click. The wailing ceased, and the cursed silence greeted him. Travis could feel the small black box buzzing like a locust in his hand, and suddenly realized that he was having trouble breathing. The air in the room vibrated violently, forcing air from his chest in low, rattling pulses. Scott, Travis thought. Where is Scott? Where's Scott? The thought came to him in a panic, and Travis opened his eyes and saw... Room 313 shimmered, or maybe it rattled. The air was alive with energy and immense pressure, unseen, but plainly and painfully evident. Like a fire observed through the sharp, clean facets of a diamond reflected and refracted in some otherworldly kaleidoscope. Travis's entire body ached, and when he moved to his feet, he realized that traversing through the room would be impossible. The air pushed back 
and resisted, like walking through tidal waves. Scott! Travis shouted, but heard nothing. The extremely low roaring sound blotted out all others. Mind your mind! Travis heard this with a clarity he knew must be his mind's ear, something he'd acquired over the years after losing his hearing as a child. It was how he'd had conversations before receiving his first hearing aid. It was how he heard the things others took for granted. It was how he heard them. Look, Daddy, a little girl said to Travis, the words sounding strange, off somehow. She was wearing a salmon-colored sundress with pink daisies dotting the hemline. She smiled up at him, and Travis's breath caught. This was his daughter, his and Liz's first baby girl. They'd lost her five years ago. But here she stood, smiling at him. Like his dream, though, he rode passenger here, bound to do no more than watch and listen. Hey, put that down, you know better, Travis said. She held the hairdryer from the small bathroom, the kind that fastens to the wall in a plastic cradle. She was pointing it at Travis like you might aim a gun and smiling. She made no move to indicate she'd hurt him. Put it back, Travis shouted, the anger in him rising at her unwillingness to behave, to listen to him. The girl turned and walked out of the bathroom, clutching the little hairdryer before her at arm's length and making little mumbling sounds. What did I just say? Travis fumed and stomped to intercept the child. He recognized this feeling. It was, at least by his own parlance, Tinkerbell Syndrome. He continued his plodding course to the girl. She saw him approaching, and her smile widened like she had lured him into playing with her after all. All Travis wanted, the passenger, at least, was to stoop down beside her and play, to have his baby girl in his arms and just play. He instead grabbed the hairdryer to take it from her and felt its humming, buzzing fan whirring in his hand. Scott! Travis shouted into the room, or at least tried. He felt his eyes vibrating in his head, like his eyelashes fluttering like caught in a gale. Mind your mind, a voice in his head persisted. In his hand, he felt the incessant violent buzzing of his hearing aid, and... Without warning, the black box burst, sending a hot, scorching pain through his fisted hand. He screamed and felt his voice work in his throat, but no sound escaped. He managed to relax the muscles in his hand long enough to let the remains of the hearing aid fall away to the floor. The air pushed against him, and he became the passenger again. He'd finally managed to wrangle the hairdryer free from the girl's hands and placed it back in its cradle. He went back to his bed and had just laid down when he noticed the girl rummaging through his suitcase. Clothes flew out alongside her, gid her giddy, awkward giggles. 
They sounded off somehow, but Travis couldn't place why. The sight of his clothes sailing around the room reminded him of a scene from The Great Gatsby. And the thought, and he thought it kind of funny. At least, Travis, the passenger, thought so. The other man, the driver, felt a deep fear at something in the suitcase and ran to the girl. God damn it! Travis heard himself say, an all too familiar rage firing in his belly. The room went red, and Travis seized the girl, no more than five years old, by the wrist and dragging her from the suitcase. She slapped at his hand and was still giggling those awkward little giggles, like they were just playing, albeit a little rough. Travis leaned down and shouted in her face, I am not playing! But the words might as well have been Russian for all the good they did. This girl was like a wild animal, untamed and incapable of understanding. He released her and went to put his belongings back in the case. She then climbed up on one of the beds and immediately leaped from it and onto Travis's back, knocking him forward and puffing the breath from his chest. She clung to him with surprising strength, her arms wrapping around his neck and starting to choke him. The anger that compelled him before now consumed him, filled him from nose to navel to toes with gasoline, and he burned. Oh, oh how he burned. Travis blinked, and room 313 came back into focus. It was like looking through a window at night. He could see his own reflection, but also glimpsed a dim landscape beyond it. The light from Scott's MacBook glowed somewhere in the room, but it might as well have been on the moon. Stop! Travis shouted at the girl. Just fucking stop! She still clung to him by the neck. He reached back with each hand, grasped her arms near her shoulders, and flung with all his strength, aided by his burning rage. The girl no more than 40 pounds, flew first over his head, then landed in a heap near the door to room 313. She turned and faced him, shock marking her face. She then looked down, realizing her arm was bent in a way no arm should bend, and saw a bone protruding from the forearm like some maligned tooth. Her mouth opened, inhaled, and The darkened room swam back into a painful focus, and Travis found the lightning bolt in his head had returned and at double the wattage. He found himself grasping for, her, for a hearing aid that wasn't there, desperately fumbling with a small rod implanted in his skull, fingers slipping over and around it, a lightning rod drawing in pain. The air in his chest rumbled and threatened to tear him apart. But then, that other world, that other room, this room somehow, slipped back, and he rode passenger again. It's Tinkerbell Syndrome, Travis desperately thought. But it made no difference. 
The anger burned and raged. He saw her arm, the bone, that malign tooth protruding through the skin, blood seeping out and pooling in the girl's lap, and felt no sympathy, no remorse, only blind willpower. He was fire and she was tinder. No, Travis, the passenger, thought with all his beleaguered willpower. Not tinder. Tender. She's tender and precious. But he was too late. Travis, powerless here, watched as he stamped over to her still screaming and crumpled form on the floor. He reached down to put his hand over her mouth and she bit down. He felt a sharp pain alight in his right hand. Her screaming never stopped. He then reached down and put his left hand on her small, puffing chest and pressed down, trying to pin her. She bucked and gnashed and screamed, her face beginning to pale. He added his now bleeding right hand to his left and leaned into her, pressing down with all his weight, his teeth bared in a snarl. Then he parted them and let out a roar of purest rage, willing his dominance over this child. Then, suddenly, and with a small final crack, her wailing ceased as his hands sunk into her chest. Travis stepped back, waiting for her to start screaming again, but she just laid there, still, for the first time, all night. Finally, Travis thought, and waited for her pitiful whimpers. He knew they would come. He knew it. Okay, Travis said. Get up and we'll get your arm taken care of. When she didn't stir, he shouted, Get up! But she didn't move, just laid there, bleeding from her arm. Come on, get up! He pleaded with her. He could hear his heart racing and picking up pace with each second she didn't stir. The rage in him dulled and lessened with each breath she didn't take. No, 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 no! Don't you dare! Don't you fucking dare! He shouted at her as he rushed to her and picked up her head in his hands, yelling in her face so she could see. Wake up! Wake up! But her head just lulled in his hands, her eyes terrified, her mouth still locked in a scream. The rage was gone now, replaced by nothing. Nothing at all. A bottomless blackness, a vast void of cold emptiness. He was falling into it, being swallowed by it. Travis stood and stumbled back from the body of the little girl, the body of his girl. He looked around and spotted his suitcase, most of its contents scattered about the room. He reached in, pulled the revolver he'd stashed inside a glove, cocked the hammer, and fired into his temple. Travis opened his eyes and the room was still again. 
He breathed in gasps, relishing the calm air slipping smoothly into his lungs. He drank the still air greedily. The sensation was bliss, the result calming, with the spots in his vision fading. So he wasn't completely surprised when he blinked and tears fell from his eyes. He got to his feet and immediately found Scott, lying on his bed, his phone at his side and completely still. Travis flew to him and pulled his head to face him. Scott's eyes were open, but unseeing. His hands clasped about his ears and blood trickling down the sides of his face and neck. He'd had a cigarette tucked behind his ear. Now it lay on the pillow beside him, drops of blood marring the white paper. Scott! Travis yelled, glad to hear his own voice in his head again, but Scott didn't hear him. Travis cocked his arm back, and open hand slapped the man's face. He didn't move. Scott, please! Travis pleaded with the bearded man, but no reply came. He leaned down and held him, rocking back and forth, tears flowing again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Travis apologized to his new friend. He liked this man, appreciated his candor, his honesty, and willingness to help him, a perfect stranger in a blizzard. Travis heard something then and whirled around, but nothing was there. It sounded like a little girl's voice, awkward and not quite right. I'm sorry too, Daddy, Travis heard, and it clicked. The little girl in the other room, that other life, was deaf, like him. I failed, he thought. I wasn't enough. I couldn't stop him. Travis hung his head then and wept. He wept for his new friend, for the little girl in the salmon sundress with daisies dotting the hemline. Most of all, however, he cried for himself and hated himself for it. Well, all right, all right. I love this entry. Uh, this entire story has definitely been leading up to this, and I enjoy how in 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 the beginning we reside in this place to where we do know where where we are but we're not really sure what's what's happening but we understand what's happening if if that makes sense like, i mean like i don't in think the it does but I, well in the beginning i knew that this was some sort of haunting right right and along with that we're getting backstory to to travis but it's a bit strange how travis can be going from holding his uh, wife's hand while the child is being born to calling to strangling her it's so much strangety happening at 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 once but we understand that 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 this is is the haunting we have that that knowledge that travis does not have within this this moment so <clears throat> The story is grounded in this non-literal place. Us knowing that he's just in—he's just in this room tripping out because of because of these these ghosts. And I absolutely love the moment that Travis got with his um, dead dead daughter. 
um, or the girl in the uh, salmon dress and like exactly how Travis is playing, playing, playing into it, but is also resistant to this girl's pleads. Um, but as soon as Travis sees that this girl is hurt, uh, Travis sort of just snaps, snaps out of um his disbelief of of this moment and within that that moment we can see travis trying to be that 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 father so yeah this story just has so much con 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 uh, complexity especially when it comes to to travis and i love how we only get the haunting that travis is is going through and we never really get much of of scott until the very end where we see that scott is is dead right so this this story does a fantastic job of really portraying this this haunting while also uh, showing us a lot more sides to 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 Travis because we haven't really seen Travis the father, you know. We've seen Travis the husband. We've seen Travis the um, person. Travis the rage, but never really Travis the the father. So I enjoy how we get to see this entirely different aspect of Travis. Mm-hmm. Um, and and at the end, it's really leaving me questioning. Like, oof, how is Travis going to explain this to the <laughs> police? You well, know, it's not like, the first time that that's happened. So yes. So um, the police. So 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 the local police probably know that something's up with that room. I mean, even the person who sold who sold them sold them the the room knew it. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's a crazy ride throughout, and I love how even though this is a very a longer piece, it's such a quick read, which I really do do love. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot um, going on thematically. I. Something that was uh, occurring to me is that maybe the reason why all of these other people, the the people who are able to hear, um, do die, um, you know, they maybe they experience the the same sort of vision thing. Um, but even though Travis does have his own rage issues, um, he like can relate to this girl with because of the the deafness. Like all these other people, they die because they are hearing. Um, and he didn't, maybe that's because he was able to more put himself into that little girl's shoes and be more understanding of her, um, inability to communicate. And maybe other people who have the same sort of thing and experience the, uh, the evil, evil father ghost, um, aren't able to do that and, uh, fall victim to it. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a lot going on here, um. And that's just like one small level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And going on the prose level, I really do love um, the description throughout this. Um, how it is focused a, a lot on these movements and how they really attach to the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really and it really adds this sort of quick pace prose that we see here to creating this sort of very tense, very like. A fever pitch tone of this uh, piece. How we can understand how any any sane person would be going insane, based off of these visions and these uh, and these spirits that Travis is uh, interacting with. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I definitely on the on the prose level, it, it, per, it perfectly matches um, what I'm assuming Matt Matt said said words try to uh, try to bring uh, across, which is that sense of tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's also it's uh, pretty 
emotionally heavy. Um, uh-huh. Very. Like the m- moment of the murder and like there's there's multiple moments of horror um, there. Um, the first one is just like the man just getting more pissed off and just like I, I was also just like confusion for a moment that turned um, into horror. Um, like there was all this going on. The girl's acting weird. And uh, then she jumps on his back and says that she's like choking him. And I was like really confused. I was like, oh shit, is she like actually like, is she possessed by an evil ghost? Um, and she's about to try to murder the father. Um, and I think that helped because it's like that confusion was then like, so when he yells at her to stop and like flings her, it almost like, like, it, it, I can understand why he had almost like a fight or flight response to that if he's getting choked from mm-hmm. behind um, with a surprising strength. Um, but then we immediately, you know, realized, oh shit, he's just, I mean, we realize as it's described, right, this 40 pound girl with all of his strength, both hands um across the room and um, we know that she's five years old um that that's like uh yeah it turns into horror like holy shit he's just like that would that could that could kill her right um yeah uh and we see that her arm is broken and it's just like that sort of horror of her like looking at him um as he's done this horrible thing to her um and it doesn't it doesn't even stop there that's what makes it so awful it's like i thought that was the horrible thing um but it keeps going yeah and but i was like oh shit they are they're ghosts so it's probably worse Mm -hmm. um and uh yeah the sinking in of the hands in the chest um is really awful (laughs) um yeah it was it's really uncomfortable and uh pretty horrible imagery um yeah 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 definitely and uh i and you know i just want to take this 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 little moment here to uh really commend matt uh, matt's that words of sticking to the story um i i think that this like ending payoff would have not hit as hard would have not as been as expected or satisfying if we didn't have those, mm-hmm. those five uh those five issues prior slowly setting up travis seeing travis do a really good thing in the very beginning to that um uh talking to that to that uh, little girl in the park and and now us coming to realize why um travis wanted to to talk to that girl and to just have have that little moment mm-hmm. um and yeah i i really love how we see travis oh, yeah. when he's when i he's forgot in about public. that little girl yeah and, and, and you and you notice how that perfectly links up yeah, yeah i yeah, love how we sure. get to see travis in public uh travis in private and also travis when he is bouncing off of someone else like scott Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just feel like this this entire six six uh, section entry um, just gives us every possible angle to, to to look at Travis. I mean, I wouldn't say where every possible root- angle, but yes, a good well, a good amount. Yeah. Yes, multiple angles to really look at him to where we see 
all of the bad that Travis has, has done, and, mm-hmm. but we also understand the his his good heart and the and the goodness that he has, and he and he points that towards others. Yeah. So yeah, I just feel that this this entry is fully uh, accomplished from beginning to end. We get this great arc. Um, we we get to we get to see how Travis does really desire change within his his self and i think that's such a great part and we get to see how his past actions do still haunt him how what he could have have had still does haunt him um so yeah i mean overall i just honestly loved reading this series and you know if and to uh, matt said i said words with a couple of like edits this can be something really good something really large um so yeah i i feel yeah there's definitely um some aspects that can be moved around i felt like scott was not as developed as a i don't know i i mean obviously there's all these limitations and stuff so it's just like yeah in a if there is going to be a rewrite um some more stuff to him or or cutting him out entirely because i felt that uh we met him and it was very cool especially like the like friendship that he offers um but i didn't have enough to like really like i don't know um other than him being in the room why scott dies not in the sense of like what are the mechanics of it because obviously it's the ghost um and it just kills anyone else in the room but like why does in a in a in the writerly sense, like why choose to have him in the room dying, right? Um, yes. and die. Um, mm-hmm. which I mean, honestly, that's that's why I I do feel you know like if if this issue that that we are uh, that we just read was the seventh one, and the sixth issue was completely just about a deeper back and forth between Travis and 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 Scott, where we get to get. A lot more depth when it comes to the intentions as to why Scott is a ghost hunter and like as to why Scott is specifically here. That would definitely make the um, impact of his death greater. And why he um, might fail this uh, yes. ghostly test, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And also why Travis might have might have, you know, made made it through. I mean, or, my, my biggest clue to that is probably just his him not being able to really hear mm-hmm. or him having a, a hearing aid. But yeah, it 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 would have been nice to see the consequences of not being like Travis. Yeah, and just how that works. Um, or on the other hand, uh, Scott could know about everyone who uh is hearing dies in this room, and then he sleeps in a different room and then comes in and sees Travis, you know, sobbing over the death of a little girl. Like it, we mm-hmm. already had one tragic death. Um, like I had enough emotional effect from that. Um, speaking of, I did want to talk about a comment that, um, Matt Edwards left talking about, uh, writing it, which was, um, uh, that they found themselves avoiding even thinking about it until they sat down to write it. And I think mm. that is exactly the sort of thing that we've been talking about for a while is just like, these are hard, um, like these awful feelings and images and stuff. Like they're the most emotionally affecting. And for that reason, um, a lot of us like myself, um, avoid writing them, avoid confronting them, avoid, getting into them because they're uncomfortable and sad and upsetting. So 
um, I think this is a great example of um, of that. And I think uh, Master Bridget did a great job of um, diving into that really awful, sickening feeling. Um, especially because there's those multiple levels of it that we just talked about. The, the multiple levels of horror and injury of just like, God, he's just going all out on this poor child. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really gruesome. And <laughs> yeah, it's gruesome and it's graphic, uh, but I do love how it all serves a, a purpose. Mm-hmm. I think you know, the, um, it's not gratuitous just to be gratuitous. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, the, uh, um, I think the beginning with Liz, I think, um, is a good inclusion. I think, um, I wasn't quite, it, it feels more dreamlike where it's like, I don't know exactly why he's like, uh, choking his wife, except it's just like an echo of what's happening in the ghost version. So, um, it's not so bad. Uh, it's, it's not like something too. It definitely deserves to be there. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, especially if someone, if, like, like so in the process of editing something like this, right, so you have this whole novella, right, um, have all the, the chapters, have all the characters developed and stuff. I know that Matt Words is also going to add an epilogue, um, but once you have it all written, then you sort of um, identify all the, like, the themes and stuff that you're doing. Um, and then go in there and, and straighten it all out. And I think that would be one place to um, to do some straightening. Oh, one, one other thing I did want to mention that I, I forgot to was um, I like the foreshadowing that was in this piece within it. Um, there there was two particular ones. One was the gun in the suitcase, and the other one is that the little girl is deaf. Uh, both of them were neat little like surprises for me. The The one... Um, the, the gun in the suitcase, I think is great because it's like, you're pretty much sure of it. It's not something that you need like to be actually surprised by, but just like forget about it basically for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's not, it's not set, right? It's just like, um, the guy was afraid of the thing in the suitcase, right? Afraid of her finding the thing in the suitcase and that immediately made me think gun. Um, but it wasn't like confirmed, so I just had it in the back of my mind. And then, of course, when he goes and, and gets it, I'm like, oh, of course. Um, and then with the girl being deaf, it, it is great because it actually didn't occur to me at all the entire reading, mm-hmm. which is really stupid of me. It, like, it's, it seems really obvious, actually, <laughs> in retrospect, which is great. That's perfect. It's um, on one level, the uh, obviously, there's the thematic resonance of uh, Travis, you know, uh, being being deaf and then there's also the whole the way the haunting works making people bleed from their ears which is why travis is there in the first place um and then there's tons of clues throughout the the piece like every single time that she doesn't obey it like basically says it was because she could not hear (laughs) like (laughs) um but because the um the the father doesn't actually doesn't say anything to confirm that doesn't seem to be considering that doesn't seem to have any empathy at all about it um, it just doesn't occur to us. With within this piece, it's very easy for us to think that oh, Travis being being death uh, in the first issue was was just a hook to like to like get us in. But I love how this story comes full circle mm-hmm. and really gives us a complete story mm-hmm. um, within like I would say not even what you would say maybe twenty something pages of uh, these six like six that. issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, one last, uh, the, the last thing I have, like, a note on 
um, only because it really came up while I was reading it. So um, in the the text, right, the high pitched screaming um, is written on onomatopoeia, right, in all caps like E. And then when the girl um, is starts screaming because she's been so horribly injured. It starts off with E and then goes into Ah, um, which uh, I think was great, especially just the echo of that of like, oh, that's why we've been hearing this high pitched keening is because it's a little girl screaming. Um, and it's a great way of like having that visual echo. I will say, though, um, I could not <laughs> I could not perform that in, in mm-hmm. an audio format not that it is supposed to be like written for us to read on the podcast um that sounds sarcastic it's not <laughs> um but um i think that's that is like one detriment is that it like you can't actually read a noise like that um you know what i mean yeah like uh not just in me reading it on the podcast but also just like I mean, I could sort of picture it. Uh, I, I could picture the sound, especially as it went from the E to the A. Ah. But um, I do wonder if, like, just a textual, like, uh, that high-pitched keening came back. The, the same, or the high-pitched keening of the um, hearing aid came back and shifted into a little girl scream or whatever. Like... Uh-huh. I, I really like the the visual of the like echo of the onomatopoeia, but I think that is like one way that it becomes uh, criticizable. I guess critical mm-hmm. is that is that how it, critical? I don't know yeah. if that's the right word for that. Yeah, and I mean personally, I, I do love all uses of like uh, onomatopoeia. I mean, especially within this piece, it it comes up quite often. I do feel like on the same token within within that moment, I understood what what was happening, but I yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure if the usage of a of a onomatopoeia within that moment was as effective as it could be i think it could really stay just if before that there's this sort of preface that this that the sound of the um hearing aid tuning out is coupled at the end with with this screen just just to sort of like hone hone in on exactly what this onomatopoeia sounds like sure yeah and it's also just like um I feel like onomatopoeia is like pretty often like don't feel as like serious if that makes sense, like because there is something yeah. just sort of silly to me of like mm-hmm. having. I mean, it, okay, like I know this is not the same thing, but if someone, it, okay, if <laughs> if after the guy shoots himself, there's an all caps blam. Like, <laughs> it would be really silly, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's not quite the same um, that that a blam would obviously more silly than E, but um, yeah, there's sort of a, a casualness, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word at all, but like, it, it's, yeah, there's a sense of like groundedness and seriousness and like, um, I don't know. Um, that yeah, I think and, and, and on my PS. I mean, have. honestly, I think I think that sort of discrepancy with you does 
lie in how onomatopoeias are typically being used. Like, I mean, I think yeah. my 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 earliest no, uh, noticing of a uh, onomatopoeia it was in a was in a children's book, really. How it would be coupled with a picture, or it'd be like the gun goes blam, 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 pop, 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 um, and like it is a quick short a shorthand to describe the sound without describing the sound right yeah so it's also kind of showing versus telling like it it is more showing than telling um so there is that so i can like understand how someone could see it as maybe even maybe even hacky um i think that it it has been used within this series very very well um to where it does carry across that sincerity um which you know in like other pieces that i've that i've seen it yeah it it definitely sort of breaks you from the story itself because it is a different form of, I would even say, performance uh, that's separate from how typical writing is. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like the only time that it was a bit iffy for me would be on, on that last one when it does turn into a screen. Well, personally. yeah, to me, it's just because it's the most serious of them all, yes. right? Like, it was just... we're. A little girl being We're listening injured. To scream. Yeah, yeah, and th- it's about to be a little girl being murdered, right? So, um, yeah, it was, uh, that's just my feelings on it. Um, and if you feel uh, otherwise, Matt said words, that's totally valid. And um, I think the piece, it doesn't like suffer very much uh, from it. Like, it still works very, very well. I wasn't even taken out of it because uh, even when I had this feeling about it, um, it's just something I noticed, especially when I was reading it out loud and could not <laughs> make myself doing uh, an e ah noise. Um, <laughs> I did yeah. my best. I did my best. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, this is a wonderful story. This is um, a uh, hard-hitting story um, confronting some difficult emotions, and I think it's great um, end cap to this series. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, thank you so much to uh, Matt Matt Sadwars for not only giving us this this entry, but giving us a uh, con- a complete story. We really enjoyed reading through it. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward um, to that epilogue. Oh, 100. Uh, percent Well, all right, it's high time to move on into the listener submitted story section. So, thank you very much to Glittering Coast, Darby Jazz, and Sarah Penguin for submitting your story. All right, let's get started. Mm -hmm. So the first one up is by Glittering Coast, with the first of many terrible evenings. Um, So this would have been my uh, second choice to read um, on the the podcast this week. So um, this is actually, I think, a great example of the narrative voice, um, the in their words um, prompt for November, um, where... Um, we have this this woman who has just been proposed to. She said yes, and she's with her fiancé, and uh, he is dragging her out to meet a bunch of people. And the whole way through, just uh, hammering into us over and over again is how much it's just like, she doesn't really want this at all. She just kind of said yes because um, he'd been asking for like six years, and everyone else around has been asking for six years. Um, and we just kind of see over and over of how, like, he doesn't actually really care about her feelings that much, and she just kind of caves to whatever, um, he wants, 
Um, and yeah, it's um, a pretty sad feeling. Uh, we we end with, um, and she's like dis- dissociating during conversations with these random people at this golf club. Um, and uh, we we end here with another thing of just like, wow, over, over the course of seven years, he's never understood that she doesn't actually care about the garden of this place. She just said that she liked it one time and he's never actually listened. Um, and they go for a walk and we end with this thought of, I put on a mask of happiness and vowed to never take it off again, which is just bad. It's really bad. Especially, yeah, it felt very sad. relatable. I, I had been in a relationship where I was kind of doing, kind of um, accepting everything and, and saying that because I agreed to it, I need to be okay with it. I need to work to be okay with it. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't it doesn't work. <laughs> um, yeah, never. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it's also like, it's, it's, it's complicated because it's a little bit on, on both ends a little bit of just mm-hmm. like uh, this, this guy is really, really bad, right? He is emotionally manipulative. He doesn't listen um, and all these things. Um, but also like, she doesn't, she's not fully honest either. Right. She says that she's okay with it. She, um, uh, like the stuff with the the gardens, right? She doesn't just say, "I don't like the gardens," right? I don't care about the gardens. She just goes, "You like them more than me," um, mm-hmm. which is just like the signaling isn't working. You got to be brave and just be rude, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And it's sort of a, a tragedy of that of just like someone's inability to confront something that they need to confront. Yeah, yeah, no, this is a very, um, I, I want to say sad story, but you know, it's not like deep, deep depression. This is very be, begrudging. And I, and I love how this story itself really establishes this person's disdain for this, for this country club, for mm-hmm. this, for all the yeah. people there, for all the conversations they, they like have to have. And it's very re, re, relatable to every time that I've ever been to a, a country club, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I really do love the, us being able to understand this sort of push and pull, how they're here for him and that there is a certain amount of love there, but it's still like the relationship itself isn't what this person seemed to have signed up for. Yeah. And, 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 and how something that probably started off so great has slowly turned into this thing that this person would rather not be a a, a, a part of, but they feel stuck because they're so deep into it. Um, so yeah, this story really does play with the con with the com- with the complexities of a longer drawn out re relationship and how things can just fizzle out or how things change over time and how that change is fine, but we do find we do put it upon ourselves to try and change with that change even though it is leading towards a end that mm-hmm. we're not going to be completely comfortable with yeah especially um if we have the problem that this this character has of being completely unable of being of having a confrontation right like there's a sign yeah. um that uh he's he's not the type of man who doesn't get his way right um mm-hmm. and that's just like a kind of giving in you know you got to be like if if that's the case then don't be with this man right um like uh another thing is like she wants to have dinner 
Uh, but she, but he wants to go to these gardens to do all these other things. And she just say, "No, I'm hungry. I I want to go yeah. have dinner right now." <laughs> like, um, and it's yeah, it's just a sort of, um, a, yeah, sort of like a a tragedy of someone letting themselves um be drawn into this relationship pattern. Um, like he's not even like that bad of a guy, uh, right? He's just he knows how to play her and she um isn't able to say no basically mm-hmm. yeah yeah so uh, a very personal tragedy yeah um but thank you very much to glittering coast and uh, up next is by jarby jazz with sometimes you need to fillet a fish which is a fun um title so this is the ongoing series with eloise and the flesh crafters um in this one we're in that um other character's perspective who we uh, realize is a assassin um Ah. and he is with this sort of otherworldly um fancy creature that is clearly like horrible in some ways but also enchanting um like lovecraftian maybe in a, a little bit um as uh he's an assassin but he's been hired to just fillet a fish and do some some chef work i guess just to show his knife skills um and that's uh we just have some some interesting like uh banter and um character insight on this man thing and our assassin right here um and he accepts this job that he has to go kill a uh kill a a wealthy investor uh and kill his family which includes children and uh the man's wife and make it look like it's one of his rivals and he doesn't uh balk at all at it he just says you know i charge per head which i thought was a funny play on words um of just like no one really (laughs) uses that phrase to refer to uh murdering people um, and just uh, the callous, callousness of that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I love how how these um, supplementary stories just really does fill out this this world. It seems like a really great world to uh, play in. Um, and I love how serious this um, uh, this assassin character really is. How they are really focused on the the job. You know, definitely feeling feeling that uh, that trope, but it's used pretty pretty well here. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, yeah, this, this story seems to just be setting up this, um, uh, mission of just wiping this, in, this entire family, no matter how, how horrible that is. So yeah, I, it was a really good read. I, I enjoyed it greatly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So our last one for this week is by Sarah Penguin with a bite. Leech Goddess series part three. Mm-hmm. So we have our two characters here. Uh, Fatima and Ileana inside of this temple that's just been set alight. Um, they, um, Fatima says that she wants to leave. Ileana says, trust the goddess. Um, and, uh, she's able to pull together a portal to the goddess's realm. Um, so they pass through, through and, um, it was, uh, Fratima with a R. I didn't, I'm not sure if that was always like that and I was always misreading it or not, but, um, my bad. Um, but they, they go into this void where, um, this leech goddess lives, um, and this leech appears onto, 
uh, Ileana's neck, and suddenly she's, like, possessed, which I thought was a really cool mechanic of how that works. Um, but she's possessed by the goddess who then um, talks to Fratima. There's, like, a little bit of, like, kinky, you are mine um, stuff uh, with um, the goddess biting Fratima's um, lip. Uh, and there's definitely some... Uh, some 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 good stuff going on in there with like this subversion of um you are you worried about what bloodline you actually are from it doesn't matter because you're mine your your bloodline's now mine um and definitely i get why uh fratima's cheeks felt like they were on fire at the end of that um but then they basically get their um assignment for their next job mm-hmm. yeah yeah so so this was a really great entry just uh uh, going even further in in depth to these characters, I do like. Um, I don't know if if this was just my reading, but subtle manipulation, a little with, bit mixed with, with yeah, mixed with a bit of flirt. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, I I enjoy how the depth of these characters is being really really worked on, and I'm excited to see what this next mission is, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, see how the status quo of this current story will be disrupted in the mm-hmm. future. Yeah, um, I, so I definitely like the um, the characters going on here. Definitely the like interaction between the goddess and Fratima definitely um, worked on me, um, and uh, it's it's great. Um, I will say as uh, as in other times to slow down. There's so many points in here where it's just like I wanted to stay in that moment a little longer. I wanted a little bit more mm-hmm. of that. Um, build up um and to feel more of what's going on there um like for example i want to know what uh um fratima's uh feelings are toward iliana being possessed by this goddess right like um is is she feeling the same sort of like uh feelings for the goddess that she has for iliana is it just like passed over um yeah how, how does how does that feel um and then of of course like just just uh the the whole moment with the 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 kiss and the bite and everything um it's great um and just like more description about feelings and like um sensations in addition to like the emotional feelings i i think would be wonderful like the the, the stuff that happens here is great. Um, I just want it paced slower, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Not that it was, like, speeding um, along too too bad. And, like, um, there wasn't that issue of, like, uh, moving too ba- fast through locations. Um, yeah. We are in two locations, just, but it was totally fine. You just wanted, like, a, like a break moment. A, a moment where the story can really breathe. It's just, like... Um, if this was a dance, I want it to be a waltz where like each mm-hmm. like step, you know, they sort of pause before they take another step. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, instead of it being like a hip hop dance or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know enough dances to, to be able to actually come up with examples. <laughs> but, but you do know the waltz because you're you know the in waltz. theater just like me. Yep. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, well, all right. Uh, before we do our lovely out outro, uh, I would like to say thank you to everyone who did leave comments. Leaving comments not only under your own story, but under someone else's story com- combines all of your own ideas on your story so that other people can see it and comment on that. But also you're providing someone else with feedback that can only improve their writing along with yours. So thank you very much to Jarby Jazz, Sarah Penguin, Matt Said Words, and Glaring Coast. Thank you so much for leaving comments. Um, yeah, y'all did great. And I know that um, uh, this last week was hard for a number of y'all. So many people are sick. I know Jarby Jazz was sick. I was sick. I still am sick. So if y'all could detect any difference um, in my voice or if I forget to cut out any coughs, um, yeah, that's why I'm sick. And so is Scott also on Doof Media. So a lot of things are delayed. Um, it's weird. It's not COVID, I don't think. I don't think I have COVID. It doesn't feel like I when I did have COVID. Seasonal sick. Yeah. Um, which is just, yeah, it's just surprising so many people at the same time. Um, if you want to be like all these wonderful writers and submit your story to do the right thing, all you have to do is go to slash r slash do the right thing. Um, set a timer for 30 minutes, um, and use three of the four randomly generated words. Mm-hmm, exactly. And and if you want to know next week's words as soon as possible, you, you can do that by following us on Twitter, which is at right thing cast. Uh, that's where we post uh, all of the words for next week. Also, any sort of um, issues that we're having on, on, on our side. If you are following us, you, you would have known that we had to delay this this, this episode because I had classes. And, and I was really sick. Alex, exactly, exactly. So uh, please fo- follow us there. Also, if you want to send us a, a uh, email, you can do that uh, at, at WriteThingCast. Send us anything you, you really want. Mm-hmm. Have any questions on your own writing, we can always answer it. Um, so yeah, just uh, contact us any way that you want. Yeah, there's a ton of other things going on um, here at Doof Media, of course. Um, if you haven't checked out yet, go check out The High Ground. Um, it's this wonderful podcast where Elliot Rubin and uh, one or both, I'm not sure if the other uh, one of Elliot's sisters has joined, but they watch um, some very entertaining but bad movies or um, and, and, and talk about them. And a lot of these, this is a bonus content show, but a lot of them have become public. Um, uh, and of course there's all the other shows about the wonderful long running works like Kingslingers. If you haven't seen what to say, please do. Um, it's just a fun, pleasant podcast to listen to pass the time. Um, and there's a lot of other things. Uh, I know we haven't done a, we, we've been talking about doing a doof over for a long time and haven't done one in a while. Uh, but I think we really will get back into them soon. Um, because uh, I think you, so you want to do one covering uh, Dave Chappelle's uh, recent controversial comedy special. Um, yes. And I just watched Neon Genesis Evangelion, and I was actually kind of shocked of how good I found it. Um, like, it might be the, the best written anime that I've um, seen so far. And I, like, I really enjoyed Cowboy Bebop, and I think it's definitely, like, the same or better uh, quality. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to to talking about that. I haven't finished it. Um, I'm still, uh, I think, six episodes and a movie away from being done with it. Um, but it's it's really really good, surprisingly good. Yeah, yeah, and then those are all hits. So please, uh, hopefully within the next month, we should have a couple of doof overs ready for y'all to listen to. Mm-hmm. We're all right. I think it's high time to roll on into next week's words. 
Hell yeah. Um, also, just a reminder that the theme for this month is in their words uh, to write a story using um, staying within a character's perspective. Um, so Glidden mm-hmm. Coast did a great example of that. And I, I think all the stories this week uh, at least had some um, hints in and uh, flavoring uh, from the characters. Um, for at least one time this week, try to go like fully like all out. You know, write a perspective yes. that is strange. Um like a, like a child's perspective, someone's like different than you, um, or maybe like write a normal scene, but have it very much colored through some sort of emotion. Um, I think rage mm-hmm. is a pretty easy one. You know, teenage angst <laughs> makes every, anything into a really, um, I, oh God, I remember being in high school being angry at everything. I didn't realize how oh, angry yeah. I was until I took HRT and a lot of it went away, but, um, <laughs> 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 Yeah, no, I was just, like, soaking in rage. Um, I think I was, like, just going through all my day and just mentally cursing at everyone that I saw for no reason. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that would be a great story. Yeah, you could do that. Or go another way and write about another emotion, like uh, love or something. I don't know. Uh, just an idea. Love. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the words that will aid you in your character-driven story are enemy article cassette and painter so these are some uh, very fun words so an enemy is uh an antagonist someone that is against mm-hmm. you usually the bad guys um like even beyond just some like an antagonist being uh someone that stops you an enemy is someone that is also um bad in some sense um, you could also write about frenemies, which are friends that are also enemies at the same time. Um, what else, Travis? Any other sense that you would uh, want to impart? A enemy of the state. That's true. Is someone who has done a heinous crime mm-hmm. and is running. Um, I was trying to think of a, like a song lyric with enemy, but actually it, the song lyric that came up was Animal I've Become. So yes. that's different. <laughs> Um, so not that. Anyway, the next word Mm -hmm. is article, um, which is a sort of, uh, segment of text. So there are news articles, which are Mm -hmm. a section of the newspaper. Um, there are, uh, there are articles in our constitution. mm -hmm. There was, um, before the constitution, there was the articles of, uh, confederation, which, um, was back when our 13 colonies was a just collection of, um, allied states essentially and that was mm-hmm. how that was the government of the the revolutionary war before we made the full-on federal u.s government uh with the constitution yes um mm-hmm. and other things uh there's also articles of clothing um mm, yes. so any piece of clothing that's an article um i think it's about it yeah um, that a cassette is a format of containing music. Music, yes. Does it? it does There's it... also a video okay, cassette. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. What What does VHS stand for? Video Home System. Mm. 
Maybe. Let me, let me. I don't know. I, I I never really understood what the uh, at what the uh, acronyms was were because I think. Oh my god! I was about right. The time that we were growing. Oh, so so you were right. Okay. <laughs> it's video home system. I mean, I guess it oh. kind of makes sense. They're made for viewing at home, but still, that's mm-hmm. that's strange. I thought it would be more about the mechanics of the the format. That's of the that's actual, funny. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah. I mean, when when we were growing up, uh, ca- uh, cassettes and uh, VHSs were going out of style. Oh so. yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're so classic. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to get a. I, I have um, two VHSs in my room. Do you want to Ooh, know nice. what they are? Yeah. Um, I have the horror movie They from I think like 2003. They were still making VHSs then. And I also have <laughs> wow. um, a God. I don't know the year, but one of those old uh, monster movies. Uh, with a giant ants, and it's called them. So I have two VHSs, mm, and one they and them. is they, and the other's them. I'm so happy ha. about it. Um, That's hilarious. Yeah, it's the only other one I really need to get is the 1986 uh, Transformers movie, which I will get. It's a matter of time. I did go to um, Recycled Books, the bookstore mm-hmm. in the main square, and uh, they had it there for $50, so I did not buy it. Oof. So I might That's so expensive. Yeah, yeah. I really wish I still had the one that I had as a kid. Cause fuck, I want fifty. I, I want monies. Um, yeah, you could sell that for sixty, bucks. probably. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't sell it. I just wouldn't be fifty dollars uh, less than Poor. I would be. I probably will yeah. just. I you know I don't really care about that much about like having like the genuine old thing. I might just like get the VHS. Uh, like for example, you know what's funny. Um, the, the one in the, uh, paper sleeve, that one is worth 50 bucks. The ones in the plastic s- sleeve, the, the clamshell as they, they, yeah. they're called, um, like the crunchy plastic, you know, mm-hmm. um, those are worth like three bucks. There's what? like nothing. Yeah. So I will That's probably, so odd. I will buy a clamshell and then I might like make my own sleeve, you know, paper sleeve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's gotta be aesthetic. Right. So. Yes, anyway, of course. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's, that's that's cassettes. <laughs> yeah. um, and the last one is painter, which is um, someone that paints. A paint uh, is a um, liquid that is used to change the color of something. So you have uh-huh. both um, more like commercial painters, which will like paint an entire wall one color uh, for a business or uh, residence. Um, and then there's painting as an art, which can is usually on a canvas, but can be on any um, surface. Yeah. Graffiti. Graffiti is are, are graffiti artists painters? Do I you, mean, they are putting putting color on a wall. Do you paint with a spray can? Yes. Really? Yes, you do. Yeah. For me, it's always like I have the image like it has to involve a brush. Does it have to? Because okay. that's just what it is what in about, my mind. I don't know if that's actually true. Painting? Oh, good point. Well, okay, he, that's the thing. When you say finger painting, you have to clarify that it's with fingers because if it's without, because the 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 brush is implied. If it was like, mm-hmm. it it might be mm. called. It, maybe it's called spray painting. I don't know. Spray painting, yes. Because they are. But spray I would cans. still call that painting. If if they say spray painting, yes. Hmm. I don't know if they say spray painting though. No, normally they just say, "Hey, I want to put my tag 
on this train. What is art? <laughs> anyway. That's a deep question. <laughs> um, yeah, you should uh, answer it in your um, story right now. Oh, yeah. So my story takes place in Pflugerville High School in the theater department um, mm-hmm. in a department run by uh, the theater coach, Coach Painter, who okay. uh, typically casts her her plays through a set of uh, nepotistic uh, values. Okay. Basically, if, if she likes you, you will get a part. Um, and this is complete. This is completely fine. There is no. There's no article within the school handbook saying that she cannot do this. And uh, this practice has gone all the way back uh, to even when she was in high school, uh, when their plays were filmed onto cassettes, and they were doing old old plays like Romeo and Juliet and um, the Crucible. Mm-hmm. Um, so this story specifically. Um, is in the perspective of a person that Coach Painter does not like, mm-hmm. but they have a lot of acting prowess. They are they are the enemy mm-hmm. to the theater department, mm-hmm. not not because they are antagonistic, but because they believe in true art, in the true art of theater and expression, separate from nepotism. Wow, I can't wait to hear about the success of this revolution. Thanks, Jarvis. Yes. Yes. What about you, though? What is your um, 20-word story? Um, okay. Uh, painter. Yes. Does paint. Is famous. Gets article written. Enemy doesn't like painter. Sends cassette. Painter listens. It's a mis- mixtape. It's so sad. Painter jumps off building. Enemy rejoices. Mm. Oh. Article okay. is written oh. about pa- painter death. Painter more famous than ever. Painter comes back from death. Enemy cries and jumps off a building. Wow. That was a quick 45 word. Did story. you count? Really? All the way through? Yes, I did. Oh, okay. Well, I tried my best. <laughs> But that, but that was great. That was great. And, you know, I feel that even though a painter might not be loved or liked, um, it's it's not right for us to, to bully them. You know, mm-hmm. um, this this podcast is inherently anti-bully. Um, so if, if there's a local painter that you don't like, um, you should do the right thing and not prosecute them. You should tip them, actually. Yeah. Give them money. Give us money. On our Patreon.